I remember it uh, with me staring in the mirror in my bathroom, saying to myself, and I don't know whether I said it out loud or just in my head, like you are crazy. Like you, you, this will never end. This is going to be your life for the rest of your life unless you stop right now. Welcome to the clubhouse. I'm Arielle Hudes, and I am so happy you're here with us for our first ever episode. So when we're hanging out in the clubhouse, we're telling stories of women who are defining success on their own terms. Stories of women who have created awesome lives for themselves. And we say awesome because they are exactly what these women want for themselves. They're not what anyone else says is right or best, not because the headlines tell us success should look like this or that, but because these real women all across the country have figured out exactly what success looks like for them. And they're gonna tell us about it too. And I couldn't be more excited that for our first episode, we're speaking to the amazing Caroline Duner. Caroline's had this incredible life where she went to the most prestigious musical theater school in the country and started getting acting roles in big theaters. But somewhere along the way, she realized that even though she was successful, this life wasn't exactly what she wanted. So she created something a little different for herself. What I do for the most part day to day is I run a site called thefuckitdiet.com and it is geared towards people who feel obsessed with diets and who feel like they're stuck in a really vicious cycle with dieting and binging and obsessing over their weight and um that's that was my experience and I kind of pulled myself out of it in an uh, unconventional way a sort of a radical way I was sort of following my own instincts on that and doing a lot of research along the way but I write about that now and I've always been a writer and I've sort of been like a humorist writer as well mm-hmm. so I've finally sort of naturally along the way been able to put those two things together and now I'm writing a book Super exciting. So cool. I've been spending a lot of time doing that, like hours and hours on it yesterday. I run workshops and programs, um, and I occasionally act, and sometimes that's way more than occasionally. Sometimes it's like, you know, many, many months straight. I'm I'm in regional shows, essentially, and I live in Philadelphia now. And so with all those things, what is mm-hmm. your, I'm sure you have no average day to day, but what's like a sort of average day for you? I really try to keep my morning unscheduled because that's when I want to write. And so I I wake up and I take my vitamins. <laughs> then I go to a cafe and I eat um, and I, I drink coffee at a cafe for a couple hours and I work. So I do any sort of running of the business and or writing, writing blog posts, writing the book, um, you know, brainstorming on the next program or, or whatever. And that's what I do in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I will, I will have norm. I'll either have clients or I'll have calls for my programs where I'm like leading people through different lessons or I'll have interview calls like this. Um, (laughs) and, and, or, uh, and, or nothing. And, or I like, I eat and I go for a walk and then I, um, either, keep working again or I'm like you know what I've worked enough today I'm gonna do xyz or like that's when I go to the doctor or whatever so like 
It sounds amazing. You know, it is amazing. I mean, like, I want it to be this way for as long as I can, you know? There was a time a couple years ago when I... I was still living in New York, but I was in Philly to do um, this this concert for Stephen Sondheim, which was like such a huge deal in and of itself. And I was like singing a Stephen Sondheim song for Stephen Sondheim. And the rehearsal was that day. And I woke up at a friend's house who lived in Philly. I stayed over. I went to the cafe. I worked. I wrote for a little while. And then I went to rehearsal. Um, and then we had the performance at night. And I was like, this is my ideal day yeah like this best and that's what I did you know for many many months and many days over this past year when I was doing shows and running this business yeah um and I loved it I mean I truly truly loved it uh amazing and it's changed I mean really profoundly over those 10 well I guess a little less like seven or eight years since you graduated college and you oh yes wanted to be a full-time musical theater performer Oh, yes. Cause what, yes. So what was the plan then when you first graduated from NYU? So what's funny to look back on is that I, you know, even since high school, when I, you know, was deciding if I wanted to go to school for theater and I was even working professionally in Philadelphia in high school, it was this like burden of sorts where I was like, I want to be on Broadway. I want to act. I want to like be the best at this. And I want to like whatever, I want to go to the best school and I want to be on Broadway. But at the same time, always, always, it was debilitatingly stressful and overwhelming to me. Mm. Always. Um, And I just figured that that's the way it had to be because Mm. I figured, okay, well, I guess it's this debilitatingly stressful and overwhelming thing. And I also was really, really... um, obsessed with food and diets at the same time starting in high school and to me it was really linked to theater because I was like I have to be skinny Mm -hmm. to play these roles I want to play so it was you know they were tied together and there was a lot of misery and self-judgment and insecurity that came along with that as I you know as I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to do this for a living whether I could do it for a living and then always I've never wanted to face this question. And my mom would ask me, you know, like, is this worth it, Caroline? Are you, oh. you going to be happy? And I, like, couldn't handle that question because the answer, honestly, was no. Yeah. You know? And, and on a certain level, I knew that I shouldn't do it or that it wasn't good for me or that I wasn't looking at it the right way. But I didn't know. I didn't know another way. I didn't know what to do about that. And I didn't want to face that because I, I wanted to. Yeah, to do it. I wanted it to work. And you knew so, that you think that was true what going into college after uh even in high school and even college school. and after always I knew that um something was off, like something wasn't quite right. I knew that I wasn't um enjoying the process of seeking work. And whenever I would consider like is this really worth it? I would have a teacher or director or someone be like you are so so good. <laughs> I'm gonna be on I'd be like, oh mm. god, well that's what I thought, but it's been so miserable, you know? Yeah. It comes down to for me a lot, and this isn't just for acting, but other things. This like ego versus um soul. I mm. there's probably another word that you could use for soul, but um like things that are truly aligned and good for you and good. I was for the gonna direction. say alignment, ego versus alignment almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then like the, the ego of being like, whoa, like, like me, like you think I'm good. Like, and, and even though something doesn't feel quite right, like wanting to follow that because, you know, it's nice to be told that you're really good at something or that you're the only person for this job or whatever, even if it doesn't actually feel right. Right. It's a validation addiction that I think a lot of us have. Um, and I'm interested to hear how like dealing with that or changing your relationship to that has been part of transitioning into the next phase. So I'm interested to hear the story really of how you realized that it was like Mm -hmm. time to change things up from the full-time, the full-time trying to be an actor. I guess I was 23 and I was doing a show at home and I was living, like I couldn't afford my apartment in New York. I was babysitting and auditioning horribly, like terribly auditioning and babysitting. My parents are helping me in New York. And then when I was doing shows, I was staying with them and driving their car down to the city from the suburbs. Mm. And like, am I thankful that they were helping me so much? Of course. But did I feel like happy and good? And it didn't like, did it feel sustainable? No, essentially. And I was miserable and obsessed about food and body and at this point after years uh like 10 years of just trying every extreme diet in the world and then every not extreme diet in the world but still making that somehow really obsessive and miserable I considered myself a food addict and a binger so I would go on these diets hoping that if I followed the rules that like they promised I would like heal myself from all these cravings if I could do it correctly or eat the right foods um but I was totally I was binging on like whatever weird allowed like almond flour right like that were allowed you know and I would like make all of them and be like I'll have just one today and then I would like eat all of them and I was miserable and it was uncomfortable and I was like what's wrong with me I'm crazy finally I was doing this reading It was just these like little, little glimmers of maybe the idea that dieting and low carb is not a good idea. And it was like, oh, just these little things like low carb messes up hormones for women. Like people have to like go through this and it can mess up your adrenals and it can actually give you adrenal fatigue and it can um, make you more insulin resistant if you're not used Mm. to eating carbs. And I was like, are you kidding me? I have been trying to heal myself the stupid low carb for 10 stupid years and you're telling me. (laughs) So anyway, I was letting that sink in, sort of just thinking about doing a little reading about it. And then I, on my 24th birthday, I had like another crazy binge on all of these stupid almond flour cupcakes that I made for myself that nobody else would eat. And I truly, I was like something is wrong. And I literally, I like, I remember it uh, with me staring in the mirror in my bathroom saying to myself, and I don't know whether I said it out loud or just in my head, like you are crazy. Like you, you, this will never end. This is going to be your life. This dieting, binging thing, thinking that this diet's going to save you for the rest of your life, unless you stop right now. And I had tried to do, like, I had had times of being like, I'm going to heal my relationship with food. I think I have a bad relationship with food. I need to learn how to eat um, normally. But it was always for the purpose of of healing my relationship with food so I could become skinny. Right. Like, that was always the goal. And it was this time 
that I had, and the part, the part that I call an epiphany is like, it was as if somebody else said it to me, but I was like, you will never ever be normal with food. If you keep trying to be skinny, you have to like, stop doing that. And it was, it was against any, everything I've ever, I had ever believed about health. And I like care as much about health too. Um, I believe that you had to be skinny to be healthy. And I, from this epiphany, essentially, I started researching another way. And I found all of this, this amazing research, essentially, on, you know, it led me to people on the internet saying, oh, you should read this book, Health at Every Size. Mm. And it's amazing. It's, I mean, it totally changed my life in a way, um, the way that I look at, you know, health. I decided to stop acting then. Okay. Because I, I knew that I couldn't in January because I knew that I couldn't heal my relationship with food and weight and like let myself gain weight and like just kind of surrender to whatever process was going to happen if I was still auditioning. I just knew that they were too tied together for me to do it at the same time. You had these sort of two parallel threads that you're working on like healing your relationship to food at the same time that you're saying I'm taking a break or, or I'm done. Did you really think you were done with acting? I like think, it would never happen again? No, I, I, I said to myself even then, I was like, I have to let myself be done because saying that I'm just taking a break is stressful in a way. So I said, you know, I really think that I could come back to it maybe, but if I do... It has to be under completely different emotional and mental circumstances. And I believe that that could happen, but I knew that I needed a lot of time. And I didn't want to force that on myself. Like, Caroline, you're only allowed to take a break. Like, this is your destiny. You have to come back to acting. Like, that didn't feel right. That felt really stressful. Yeah. And that felt like part of the problem. So I wasn't doing that. Like, I was letting it be a break or a forever thing. But I think deep down, I I knew that I would come back to it. And how did that grow into you launching a business? Yes. Okay. Great question. So almost there, but almost there. Okay. So when I, so January to March, um, I was depressed. Like I was not, you know, I was trying to teach myself to eat more and I was like, you know, I had, that was definitely like a, a guiding force of like something to focus on and something that like, I felt like it gave me some purpose. Um, but I, watched so much TV and I love TV. I'm like a big proponent of TV. I really think it's amazing. And I like people who are like, don't watch TV. I I don't agree. I think TV is amazing. However, you can use anything as a way to like numb out and like totally avoid your life. And that's what I was doing because what I was doing was really, really hard. So I like watched all this Friday night lights. And to this day, I can't go back to Friday night lights, even though I know it's a really good show and I didn't finish it. Because it was so, I was just like so unhappy. So I moved home, told my mom I was quitting acting, sort of tried to explain what I was doing with food, but she didn't really understand me. And I was like, whatever, I, I no one's going to understand me. <laughs> what I'm doing like mm-hmm. can't be explained. It's kind of like, it's out there. So, which must have been totally scary unless you were feeling ethically empowered in that moment. It was definitely scary. It's scary to try to have to explain yourself to someone that you want to understand you if you think they won't understand you. And that was the case with my mom. And my mom cares about me so much, so, so much. You know, my relationship with food and body was very much alongside her. So, but yet she never went as insane as I went. 
because it didn't like matter to her as much for her own sake. So she didn't understand. She just didn't understand. And she like wanted me to be happy. And she saw that acting made me, you know, miserable, but she didn't understand what I was doing. And I could only explain it as well as I could. And, you know, try to let that be that. At this point, she's like amazed. She's like, I yeah. think it's cool what you're doing. And everyone, you know, they definitely know, they can tell that I'm like a way happier um, in every way person. But at the time, she did not understand. Though she would see my fears of food and be like, whoa, like calm down. Yeah. You know, she saw definitely that I was like, you know, not, you know, not doing so well. But so, so the big part of the story, the part of the story that um, led me to all of this creation is that she bumped into someone at the grocery store, a mother from the high school that we both went to, you and I, um, who said, oh, Deirdre, we have a book club. Um, we're reading The Artist's Way. You should join. Oh. And my mom was like, Ugh, great. And she was like, Caroline, I have to go tomorrow. I said I would go, but I didn't buy the book. Like, can you can you buy the book on your Kindle and I'll pay you back and I'll just take your Kindle to the, I was like, fine, sure. And I downloaded it and I gave it to her and she came back to me the next week and she was like, Caroline, this book is for you. You need to read this book. She's like, I, the only reason that I'm reading this book is to give this book to you. She's like, you really like, this is exactly what you need. She's like, it's about creativity. It's about, it's for artists. It's about for artists who feel stuck. And, and I was super, super resistant, but somehow she was like adamant enough that I was like, fine, I'll start it. And as soon as I started it, I knew that it was like something that I really needed and something that was going to be amazing for me. And so I started doing, it's a lot of writing exercises. It's a lot of theory kind of on perfectionism and creativity and how perfectionism will stifle your creativity. And it talks a lot about perfectionism and how we stop ourselves before we can start. And we have all of these ideas about how it has to be before we even try. And we, we just stifle it before we can even start. And it, I, I started to believe that like the morning pages exercise where you do the kind of stream of consciousness in the, in the morning, um, was really going to help me and really going to sort of like save me. And the, and, and it did, it really, it was like, it was like, I was able to work through all of the stuff that I was trying to change and, and have a different relationship with, with food and body through doing this this book and it's it's like a workbook in a way but she has a lot of beautiful you know essays about and and case studies but mostly it's you are doing you're applying it to yourself oh cool Um, was it right away that you had this feeling of like I want to share this with other people through like a slightly more specific lens I always wanted to be a writer and I always wanted to be able to have a business through a website that always excited me. I would literally brainstorm ideas in college. Like I, I thought about this and I followed, I followed this woman named Marie Forleo, who's really amazing. And one day you should interview her actually. She's the Uh, best. Yes. Yes. And, and I'd always followed her and I'd always thought it was so cool. Like the, the idea of having a website and having a blog that like was integrated with, with the work that you did. I thought it was so cool, but I hadn't, I didn't know, I didn't know what I would do with that. 
Um, and I actually tried to make one like a couple years before this. And it was all about, it was like my, it was during my like obsession with like eating like a French person. So it was like really douchey. Like it was really <laughs> stupid. And even looking back, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't even know what I was thinking. I really don't. But I had this, I understood how online businesses worked in a way, um, especially um, like teaching based ones, teaching based businesses that like basically we're sharing information. So I already knew about that. And then I was reading all about how creativity alone can be healing. And I was learning all of the stuff about food and body and I was experimenting on myself and I was having like genuine, I felt like what I was experiencing was really profound and really um, like it needed to be shared. Like I really felt that it was that, that I was like sort of discovering something that was worth putting down. But I also at that time, so I started this blog and I was still babysitting, but I didn't want to act anymore. And so I wanted to get a full-time job. I wanted to move into a different apartment that I could actually afford. I wanted to get away from the life that I was living where I, it was unsustainable. I was miserable every day having to go to auditions or not going to auditions and then feeling guilty and having my parents help me. I wanted to have a totally different um, life. So I started, you know, I was looking for a full-time job just to, to do something totally, totally different. And then I bumped into you and I told you and you were like, well, my company's hiring. <laughs> um, and I immediately, like I got that job and I started it. And that was a, that was like a huge, huge shift. I mean, that was like the start of an, of another chapter of my yeah. life. Yeah. And was there, when that happened, was there a part of you that thought, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe I'll be a full-time job person now for good. No. <laughs> I mean, not, I think before I got the job, I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I could go into PR, maybe I could go into uh, blah, you know, I had all these ideas of what I might also be good at. But I would say a month or two into this job, and this, jo- this job was administrative assistant, it was like, essentially receptionist, um, and clip maker. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was like, all right, well, this can't last forever I was like this is and I started missing theater and I started missing you know I I knew and I wasn't going to leave because I knew that it was necessary like I knew that it was healing in and of its you know in in its own right it was healing because I kind of needed I also and this is a really weird thing to say but I also had almost never experienced being in a group group of people who did not tell me that I was special (laughs) like literally at Agnes Serwin it was like oh Caroline is a singer and then even in at NYU it was like oh Caroline and Matt and blah 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 they're good you know it was this like I'd always like been able to have performing as this thing that made me special and I knew that that was bad not bad but I knew that that wasn't necessarily healthy for that to be kind of the way I viewed myself. Like I knew that on many different levels, I needed to be able to step away from that and not need that to feel good about myself. Yeah. I mean, that is very profound and such a feeling in a a less pointed and extreme way than you, but that I identify with and that I have to imagine so many people from our generation identify with too. And it really is a dangerous, slippery slope. And I think very few people take like such a specific step outside of a comfort zone of validation to be in a place where they can 
learn to live without it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's not comfortable. And there was a time and I didn't think like, I didn't realize this until like a couple months in, I was like, Oh, like nobody knows like what I can do here. And like, that's good because like, this is like, nobody knows like my other life that was like exciting and special. And I got all of this praise for, but also made me really, really miserable. And like, it's really, really good to, to not need people to know that about me. And if I, honestly, Ariel, if I had not done that, I might still think today, huh, would I be happy in a nine to five? Like, would that be fun or good for me? And the answer is no. Right. But how would you know? How would you know? How would I know unless I did it? You know, I, I was able to be like, okay, this, I like, this has served an awesome purpose, but more to validate that I want to be, you know, in a kind of unconventional life. I want to be a creator and I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I, I know that that's what I enjoy and I'm going to figure that out. So I was there for a year. I was there at the job for like literally a year to the day. Wow. And, and then after that, it's sort of been like, like I would say that that job was like the reset yep. in a way. Yep. And then since then, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to act again. I still, I missed that. And I thought maybe, you know, I was way better with food and body image and I, but, and I got better at audition nerves and I, you know, I like, you know, I had my equity card, so I was in the union and all of this stuff. I, um, still dreaded it <laughs> every day. It just wasn't clicking. It just was not clicking and I wasn't enjoying it at all and I like energetically if we're gonna talk like symbolically like I literally felt like I was just like meeting doors like Mm. it was just like or it was like like trying to get through a wall and and whereas doors were just flying open for the fuck a diet and so finally I was like you know what this is not worth it I started, I really started leaning into the FACA diet. I started creating things that I could sell, workbooks and um, little programs. So I really started to just prioritize like what would feel really good. And I, and I happened to be going back and forth between New York and Philadelphia all of the time. And I felt happier and calmer and things were easier and like everything's so close. I didn't have to get on the subway for like an hour to get home at night, you know, like it was just so, it was just easier. Right. And I was like, I could buy a house. Like so many of my friends are in Philadelphia now. Like I could act sometimes and like not have to audition every day. Like that, like, wouldn't that be so nice? So that turned into, and also like, can I give up this like ego part where like, I want to be like the best actor. (laughs) And like, I want people to be like, wow, she finally got on Broadway. Mm. Like I decided to, to, I just like, I knew enough through, you know, so much of the fuck it diet is sort of like spiritual self-help and like the relationship to your body and like needing to be the prettiest or the skinniest or whatever is very similar to this. So I was able to practice or I was able to learn so much and and essentially practice what I preach in, again, all of these other areas. And career was one of them. So 
So eventually it just became super clear that that's what was going to be the happiest, sanest version of me. And I also, I was, it's not like I was able to kind of just like step to the side and be like, let me try this other cool, you know, let's, let me really surrender to this other really cool thing that I'm doing on the side, but calling a side job when it should be more of a focus. Yeah. How amazing to get to that life moment where you're going to make a really big choice and to feel like you actually just know the answer. Like it doesn't sound like there was ultimately a lot of anxiety about making a big change. No, it's weird. There wasn't, but there was so much misery and anxiety leading up to it for like years. Right. And then it was the moment of like clarity and yeah, exactly. Mm. And I, I mean, you hear, like I tried, I like half quit before and then like went back to it. And so, you know, whenever I'm giving advice to people, like you can make a choice or make a change or make a move and it doesn't have to be, um, permanent. It never has to be, um, understanding that it can be this kind of like evolving thing. Yeah. I think is really important. So how are your things evolving right now? And where do you think you're going to be in a year? So to kind of bring us up to the magic that has come from the artist way and then continue to come from the people who work on the artist way. Uh, a year and a half ago, I got an email out of the blue from a woman who said, hi, Caroline, uh, my name is Emma and I am Julia Cameron's business manager. Um, Julia Cameron wrote the artist way. Incredible. So, I got this email in the subway on my way to acupuncture and I started crying. Like oh my, my God. My eyes like welled up. Cause it really, I mean, it felt like, like the, like truly one of the most magical things that's ever happened. Essentially what she said to me was I found your work because I was having trouble with my relationship with food and body. And it's helped me so much. Um, that I would love to meet with you and I would love to see if there's anything I can do to help you. And I was like, Oh my God. I met with her the next week. I like, we clicked immediately. I love her so much. I mean, I texted her all day today and all day yesterday. We've become really good friends. And essentially she was like, what I do for Julia is I take her work and I help her organize and format it into a book so that like I work on like an editing side and um I you know like I'm really good friends with Julia's book agent and she doesn't take clients but she really likes your writing too and I'm wow. sure she's willing to like point you in the right direction well anyway met with the book agent like six months later didn't feel like I was pitching anything because she doesn't take new clients and by the end she was like I would love to represent this wow book. I was like, well, sure. So now, essentially, the book is finished. We're just Congratulations. Left, like, thank you. Like, just doing a little bit of, like, um, editing before we give the first version of the manuscript to her. And her plan is to start selling. Wow. Okay. So, you know, again, like, don't count your chickens before they hatched. However, it it's evolved in this really magical yeah way. yeah um and they're super excited about this book in a way that is crazy they're like this is going to be really good and people really need this that's and so it's cool. going to be called the fuck it diet which is um catchy like i'm lucky i'm lucky that that's that's the name because it does grab people's eye you know mm-hmm. and then i'm glad 
that people find that it actually delivers and, and helps them. It's not just like, oh, that's an interesting concept. They're like, um, it, that feels all really like guided. And yeah. I had to like take step, like scary steps and I had to, you know, take action and try and, and, um, and write posts that I go back and there are so many typos. I mean, I've edited it at this point. But like I talk about starting before you're ready or like not caring if it's perfect. Like I didn't need it to be perfect and it worked anyway. Basically to start, I just started. Yeah. And it worked. It's so powerful. And I think in a year when your book is on the stands and it's a bestseller and everybody knows your name, nobody's going to think you had typos in your blog. They're going to think it looks just as beautiful as it does right now. Uh, like that it always looked that way. And it's such a generous thing to share that that's not the truth. And so few people I think are willing to really own up to that. And for you, I feel like it's part of your story. It's part of why the success happened. It's not like a mistake along the way. It's been a weaning off process because I was, you know, I was still had these other little jobs here and there in New York. Mm -hmm. And, and I knew I was like, I really, I want to get out of this. And even there were certain, you know, certain jobs that I would, or certain, I guess, like offerings and products and programs that I would offer, even within the fuck it diet that I was like, Oh, this is this, like, this isn't quite right. Like this isn't sustainable and I can't do this forever. And so it has been a tweaking process and it has been a, right. um, but, and then I was doing all this theater. So yes, yes. I've kind of come to this crazy place where I am. I really am my own boss and I get to um, make decisions that I feel really lucky to be able to, to make. It's cool. It's very, very cool. That's so cool. Thank you so much, Caroline. So one thing Caroline didn't get to note was that eventually she did add acting back into her life in Philadelphia. And within days of recording this, she won a massive acting award at the Philadelphia version of the Tonys. But she still considers it a side job, second to running the fuck it diet. Thanks again for being here for the very first Clubhouse. I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes and come hang out again. You can also follow me and the show on Instagram at Arielle Hudes. That's H-U-D-E-S. The brilliant artist Karis Reed lent us the painting that you see in our logo. Thank you, Karis. Thanks also to my rock star girl crush, Jess Zambri of Salby, for the music. And big first episode thanks to Abby Schreiber, Alex Kleiman, Ali Kreisberg, Carrie Hajnicki, Jennifer McFadden, Kelsey Keith, Forrest Hudes, and John Bianchi. Okay, come back soon.